Greetings, ladies and mendigants, and welcome to this latest episode of Tales from Outer Space. Taken from the subreddit HFY. The links to all the stories will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing. Story number one. A villain, a thief. Written by Q00U. You are a villain, a thief. You'll find that I'm quite devoted to law and order, actually, said the human on the monitor looking hurt. The invasion was not going as planned. Earlier, the invasion class battleship Ziverhez World Eater was hot warping into an unexplored arm of the galaxy. Hot warping was expensive, and when it came to ships the size of Ziverhez, their resource costs grew absurdly. But spies amongst the fleeing Pret reported back that the Pret had made contact with the planet of Sophons in the region, a treasure ready to be picked. Unlike the Pret, these new people lacked faster than light travel, and so could not flee the expanding empire. Whichever faction staked a claim on this planet first would be tremendously benefited. So the Bicom Collective was sparing no expense. The costs of hot warp would be regained a hundredfold by the cultural resources of, um, Earth. Prepared to exit hot warp, Kulul informed the Admiral. A slight shudder ran through the ship a moment later. Hot warp successful. We've reached our helisphere. Fourteen hours to target from this location. Good. Once the rest of the fleet materializes, send controls to our systems and prepare to head in. Admiral Hakawa was pleased. Scan for competitors and Pratt remnants. Sir, objected Ut, the protocol officer, chasing the Pratt is not our assigned task. None of either, military advisor Bittix reported. It appears that the Pratt fleet cold warped out as soon as they recharged. Shame, Hakawa said with a wry smile. Cold warps took a long time. If the warp remnants were still in the system, the Vicom, a collective, could hot-warp the fleet and wait for the Pret at their destination. I suppose we shouldn't be too greedy. A single planet and its billions of brash citizens will have to satisfy us this time. Analyzing broadcasts from Target, said Kulon. Translation services will be up by the time we arrive. Scanning target with long-range sensors, a minimally damaging invasion plan will be ready at the time, said Bittix in routine tone. This was not their first invasion. According to Intel, the Earth has nothing that can damage the Hazaras. Excellent. Akawa was even more pleased. His crew was performing like a well-trained squad. As expected, the invasion would go off without a hitch. Fourteen hours later... A hitch appeared. Interesting, said Kulon, as an asinet node nearby. The asinet wasn't controlled by any single empire, but its convenience meant that almost every spacefaring society used it. Left by the Pratt, speculated Ut. Convenient for us, if it's in the hands of the world's leaders, perhaps we can negotiate the complete surrender without damaging their infrastructure. Translation services? Online, 98%. The Earth language is surprisingly partitioned such that, um, invasion plans, Hakawa interrupted. Ready, 5 to 10% estimated destruction of target, although it is always better that nobody has to fire a shot. Make contact, ordered Hakawa. 10% destruction averted is 10% more profit for the Baikum Collective. 
Moments later, an earthling appeared in the ship's node monitor. Well, howdy. More visitors, Darth. Must be my lucky day. Yes, surrender, obviously. Akawa cut to the chase. Pardon? The earthling scratched the fur on its head. Oot stepped up for a moment. Are you qualified to speak for your planet? The earthling laughed. I reckon that I'm qualified to speak for my planet, yeah? Oot gave an all-good signal to Akawa and stepped away. Akawa continued. Then, as the Earth's representative, call me Tom. The Earthling's designation was irrelevant to Akawa, so he ignored it. This is an invasion. You have no chance against us. Complete surrender minimizes your suffering. Your people and resources will be allocated to roles we decide. You have no say in this, but you will not be killed. It is in your best choices. You have 82 minutes to decide. Oh, sorry, I can't decide right now. Nope, thank you for asking, though. Akawa paused. There was a chance that the translation was not getting through correctly. I'm not sure you understand the situation. We're currently approaching your planet. Oh, yes, I can see that. Terribly handy device, this node thingy. Part space phone, part encyclopedia galactica. And it can show me anything other nodes can see. In real time. It let me know that you were coming when the moment you left Zerg. That's your home planet, right? Zerg. Terribly handy device. Yes, and as you can see, we will arrive at our destination shortly. If you look closely, you will notice that our fleet is made up of a very many, many heavily armored ships. When we arrive, if you have not surrendered by choice, we will force you to surrender. With overwhelming forces... Due to the numerous heavy armed ships, is this translation reaching you successfully? The earthling scratched his head again and exposed his teeth in a way the translator computer described as a bashful smile. Sorry, the fault's mine. I'm not explaining myself properly. You can't invade the earth. Is that more clear? Another pause. We have many, many ships and they have a great big guns. Objectively, we can invade earth. And we are right now. That is what is currently happening. Are you sure that you're understanding our translation? Akawa was beginning to feel frustrated. It was a rare sensation for him. My fault again, bashful smile. Invading Earth is illegal. Does that help? Ah, understanding Dawn and Akawa. No, your Earth laws are irrelevant. The invaders set the rules, see? Laws only work when you are backed by force. And we, the invaders, have an overwhelming force. Understood? We are here representing the Bikeworm Collective, one of the largest factions in the Redlonian Empire. Surely your pret friends mentioned us. Why would we be constrained by Earth legality? That does not make sense. We have great big guns. Your guns are not as big. I don't think I can make it any simpler than that. A frown appeared on the Earthling's face. Again, I failed. Invading Earth is illegal according to the Redlonian Empire's rules. You said that you're a part of the Empire, right? My understanding is that you guys love to follow the rules. Akawa glanced at Ut and then back at the screen. I believe you're mistaken. Invading uncorporated systems is not against any of our rules. Oh, well, there you go. There's your misunderstanding. This system is already part of a Redlonian Empire. The smile returned to its face. That... Gower was growing more frustrated. Was the Earthling being intentionally foolish? That does not seem possible. We are the first ships from the Empire to reach the system. Therefore, you are not part of the Empire yet. 
but you soon will be. The earthling looked at the no controls in front of it. Concentration on its face. Yeah, this might help. Sorry again, this system is still new to me. Don't worry though, I'm a fast learner. Sir, Koldon exclaimed. The planet on the ship's internal displays suddenly gained the Ridlonian Empire Jape Roof collective tag. The battle computers have altered, Batix announced. It was impossible to target friendly systems for invasion. Akawa looked at the Ut meaningfully, while Ut furiously manipulated his station controls. How could this be happening? Returning to the node screen, Akawa said, You are not part of the Empire. You hacked the node. This will only delay the inevitable. You will surrender, or you will be subjugated. There is no other outcome. Oh, no hack necessary. This system, this planet, and even myself, all part of the Jade Ruff Collective, and therefore part of the Empire. Sorry, you came all this way for nothing. That's probably expensive. Smug look. A distraught Ut turned to the Admiral. True, he signaled. The expenditure just for that what warp would set the Biacrum Collective back a bit. Competition between the Collectives was fierce, and set back like this might trigger one of the rivals to attack, weakening them further. Collectives had fallen for less in the past. Akawa's eyes flicked towards Cologne. If they could it override the friendly fire lockout and take this planet anyway. I hope you're not thinking of invading a friendly planet, the Earthling said. The Empire's military frowns on that sort of thing. You know, the Ridlonian Empire's planet-conquering military tend to be discouraged fighting within the Empire. Via overwhelming force, they have a great big guns. Your gun's not as big. I don't think I can make it any simpler than that. A long pause. Now... I really was hoping you would ask, smug look. Do you know rock, paper, scissors? Ut piped up. An earthling game played with arranging their appendages in specific configurations. The winner seems to decide by random chance. There you go, satisfied look. A longer pause, but the earthling remained silent. I require further explanation. Akawa's frustration had reached an unprecedented level. Oh, sure. You're right there, my friends. The Pret did, in fact, mention you. The Redlonian Empire, the various factions, it was very interesting. Gave us an Asinet node and instructed us on how to use it. They were very sorry, you see, to discover intelligent life in the system that they were passing through. Inevitably, the Empire would follow, and Earth would be lost. Sad, but inevitable. So far, the tract with Akawa's understanding of the situation... This was not the first time something like this had happened in the Empire's long history. Inevitable, he continued, but unacceptable. But what could we do? We had a space phone and an encyclopedia of galactic knowledge, but what we didn't have was time. No time to research technology. No time to prepare a military. No time for any preventative measures. Not nearly enough. Pretty soon, one of the factions would get wind of our existence and head our way and our time would be up, and we did then what would be determined by who exactly is coming, which turned out to be you. Ships coming from Zerg, a whole fleet with a lot of guns. Zerg is a big planet of the Bicom Collective, so we contacted your friendly rivals, the Jeruf. In return for pointlessly wasting your resources and weakening the Bicom Collective, they granted us essentially autonomy while being in name part of their collective. No! Akawa projected, no collective would bargain with an outside system, 
especially in return for nothing. It cost the bike worm a fraction of your system's worth. Oh, we were already part of the Empire. They couldn't stake their claim to us anyway, since fighting is not allowed between the Empire systems. Putting us in name only dissuades you from invading us and allows them to legal claim for reparations from the bike worm if you decide to invade us anyway. It costs them nothing and might pay off big, if you're stupid. I went over the agreement very carefully. I'm a lawyer after. You were already part of the Empire. How? Agawa's record-breaking frustration level was again surpassed. Did I not mention? It tilted its head. Technically, I suppose we're a drop colony. The drop. This made even less sense. Xenophobes, even if you attempted to contact them through the Asinet, they would fail. Yes, the Earthling nodded. That is why they have a vassal races to deal with outsiders. One of those vassals happens to be the Sestalians. Proud look. Another pause. Were Earthlings telepathic? This Tom appeared to think that he was sending more information that was being received. What was the significance of the warrior race Sestalians? Eventually, Hakawa, with no choice but to prod, and... Oh, I'm a Sestolian. Confused look. Did I not mention that, too? Hakawa stared at the monitor. You're not a Sestolian. You're clearly an Earthling. Human, said the Earthling. Yes, I was born a human, but I'm now a Sestolian for legal purposes. If it were possible to burst from frustration, the Zirahaz Bridge would have been covered in gore. How... Akawa raged. Adoption. You know, the Sestodians captured defeated enemies and raised them as their own. I contacted a Sestodian family through the Yasinet and challenged them to a game of rock, paper, scissors. It took a few matches, but I eventually lost. My poor foster father. He was so confused as to why I insisted he adopt me over a simple game. Although, I guess it might have helped that I own a planet. Having a son with his own planet will certainly make things easier when the family comes to visit. Of course you own a planet. Akawa had passed beyond frustration and was entering mania. Why wouldn't you? The whole planet. That makes just as much sense. The human laughed. Yeah, you think negotiating my way through the Redlonian Empire was tough? Trying to get all of this world's leaders to agree on pizza toppings was harder. Having an invasion fleet on the way sure helped things along, though. So, um... Thank you. Since Earth surrendered to me, and I'm Sestalian, and Sestalians are vassals of the Drip, and the Drip are part of the Empire, a second human appeared next to it. Mr. Sawyer, we're ready. Excellent. I guess I'm done delaying you guys. A panic quillone suddenly exclaimed, Admiral, the ship's systems have gone into remote mode. I'm locked out. Same here, confirmed Batux. I'd said nothing, but made worried grunts while trying his own console. To no effects. Relax, fellas, the human said. You're in no dangers. Negotiations have concluded successfully. Akawa had gone cross-eyed. At demanded, What negotiations? Oh, the negotiations between the J-Riff and the Bikeworm. For, um, I guess possession of your fleet. See, because this is a private star system that you're currently trespassing upon, we have parking fees for being within the Himlosphere. Parking fees. Hutt was incensed. Never heard of such a thing. The human waggled a finger. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You should have looked up the rules before your visit. What are the fees? Hutt demanded. Exorbitant, the human said, as if that explained anything. It's per ship, too, and you brought very many. 
so many that I'm not sure even the Bike Home Collective could bear the cost. They're the ones truly responsible for paying, right? Didn't you say we're representing the Bike Home Collective, one of the largest factions in the Redlonian Empire? Nobody on the Zeraz could speak. Ah, we gave the Bike Home a choice. Pay the fees they were legally required to pay, or surrender the fleet and the crews, which they did. Bittix closed his eyes. It was a complete defeat, and nobody had fired a shot. But like I said, continued the human, don't worry, your people and resources will be allocated to roles we decide. You have no say in this, but you will not be killed. As the fleet autopiloted to the planet, Agawa started laughing and never stopped. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you did, please consider supporting the author from the link down below. Otherwise, if you wish to support this channel, there are numerous ways to do so, like liking, subscribing, and possibly even becoming a patron. Otherwise, the easiest way would be to share. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good one, and I'll see you then. Cheers.